0: A consistent body care routine is a really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy glowing skin, it actually boosts our mental health too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria LG Body Butter is not your typical body butter. It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin. And it's my absolute favorite. I use OCS products religiously, and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but OCS body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda and it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skin care is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hi and welcome to From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Happy, happy, happy end of the week, everyone. As we know, Friday is podcast day. I hope everyone's had an amazing week. Uh, It's Wednesday evening as of this recording, and I'm getting this very strange deja vu feeling from last week's podcast recording. I am, for some reason, again, sitting in what used to be our old bedroom. Uh, So we have this beautiful bedroom at the very top of our house. Uh, and it's really tiny and we've slept in here since we got this house four years ago and then when the baby got her own room which was downstairs which is three floors down uh, we decided to move into what used to be our guest room so that we could be close to her because I didn't want to have her that far away but this room is my favorite room of the house it's the only room that's like completely renovated and beautiful and our bed is up here and I miss my bed and we're sleeping in this guest room bed that's kind of the shitty bed (laughs) Anybody else offers their guests like the shittier version of everything, <laughs> but anyway, I'm sitting here again, which is really rare for me because I normally record at the office. And again, like last week, I uh, I've had some wine. And again, like last week, uh, all three dogs are with me in the room, so they might bark. Uh, And again, I'm alone in the house and the baby is sleeping, so I have the monitor here. I don't know if it's just me or are these podcasts becoming more and more like completely laid back and easygoing? Am Am I giving less and less fucks every single week? I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing this 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 medium. Uh, the first ever episode I recorded I was so freaked out and I re-recorded a bunch of times and I had this sort of script that I had like laid out with like a you know a red thread I wanted to follow all that. And now we're down to literally me drinking a bunch of wine <laughs> sitting in my bed, not giving a shit if my dogs bark or my baby cries. So welcome to the very intimate um, part of my life. There is this part of me where I genuinely do not give a shit about what anybody else thinks. Like it's just, it's a very kind of, it's very relieving to live life that way. But then there's this whole other part of me where I'm super cautious about what I say and how I express myself and how I show up in the world. And you know, and I'm really scared to offend anybody. It's 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 a it's like I have a split personality. Um, but tonight, anyway, you're giving the the absolutely giving no fucks version of of Rachel. So, welcome to today's podcast. Um, I've had a really I don't know. I've had a really hard day, a really good day, a really busy day. Uh, I'm feeling a little depleted emotionally. I'm feeling very yeah. So, in the spirit of from the heart, how am I doing in this moment? Um, speaking from the heart, super candidly, I am so emotional today. Really, really emotional today. Um, I actually I had a, another <laughs> astrology reading. Oh my god! Every forking, <laughs> every week I'm talking about astrology. Um, <laughs> shout out to Deborah Silverman who was like. Running my life right now, uh, yeah. When I when I had recorded with Trevor Hall, which was a, a little while ago, he introduced me to yeah the art of astrology in a way that I've just never experienced it before, and then I had a reading. Uh, with his astrologer Deborah, who's amazing and then the next podcast episode I recorded I kind of shared my my epiphanies from that reading and then I had Nako on the show and he's talking about astrology he's in the course like doing this whole thing and then again today I'm talking about astrology so the yoga girl podcast is just becoming it's becoming oh my god I feel like we're more and more like one of those memes you know like shit yogis say <laughs> Like I'm like the person who just casually slips into conversation. Like, well, my astrologer said, Um, but yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. And I I had a session today um, and I'm just kind of left a little like shook by it. I don't know. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rewind a little bit already today, this morning when I woke up, I have talked about this a lot. I, sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself and if I am, I'm sorry, but it's just when I'm working through something that I can't quiet figure out or that I'm, you know, Really deep in, uh, it's really hard for me to not come back to the same topic again and again. But I am really deep in pain and fear of something happening to my baby girl. Like, and I really thought it was it would be something that would pass one day. Like it was something that just is here early on. Like I've done I don't know how many podcasts talking about this. Like I've cried into the mic because of it you know, I I talk about it a lot. I vent a lot. So like, I think everybody listening, you know that I'm working through this fear. Um, And the most of the response I get whenever I share it from other mothers is that, oh, this is completely normal. Also, it will never go away. Uh, You know, it's kind of like you have your heart living outside your body. You know, this is just what it is. Um, Anyone out there that doesn't have kids, like, it's it's very hard for me to, to explain this feeling. So I can give an example. Ringo is right now lying next to me in bed in a ginormous pile of laundry, um, and Ringo used to be my only baby, um, and, and I don't know how, really how that happened because uh, my first dog is Keela. She's the black bigger dog. You guys have seen her on, on Instagram story, I'm sure. And then Dennis had Leica, who's white. And when we met, we got Sergeant Pepper, who was our like first you know, first puppy together, first baby together. And and for a really long time, he was really our little baby that, you know, our, our puppy that we raised together. And then we got Ringo and Ringo is just small, like he's a really small dog. He's also very much like a person, like he's not dog-like at all. And Sergeant Pepper, I mean, oh, he was like our, our heart and soul. I miss him every day of my life. Um, he passed away the same year we got married a couple of months after we got married and the pain of of that passing like it sits with me every every day he's buried out in the backyard I sit by his grave all the time but Pepper was a dog dog you know like a dog dog that he liked to fetch and go for runs and just you know jumps up and down barking when you come home and like he was kind of a doofus and a little stupid and just a big like clumsy like he's just the best dog like he was just you know a dog but Ringo we got Ringo as a baby as a puppy and and he's really small, so he travels with us everywhere. So when we started traveling the world, um, someone would move into our house to take care of the other dogs and to take care of the house. But Ringo would always come along. I mean, he still does. He comes everywhere. And Ringo is not a dog dog. Like Ringo is a person dog, <laughs> which is very strange. Like he's he's extremely picky about people. Um, like he's he, he's very very human like like he doesn't step in puddles um, he, he likes to sleep under the covers like kind of wrapped around me like he's he has this very weird personality <laughs> where you can just kind of look into his eyes and you know that he thinks that he's above us a little bit like he kind of judges me like he's the higher species he doesn't fetch you know you can not go for a run with him like he, he just doesn't act like a dog he's more like a little person so Ringo, because we traveled with him so much, I became so attached to Ringo, incredibly attached to him. Also because we got him really close to my best friend passing away. So he was just a puppy then. He was little and my best friend passed away and I kind of attached myself to Ringo like like a little buoy, you know, like I was in this rough ocean. I didn't know if I was gonna make it, if I was gonna sink or swim. And Ringo became, well, he became my reason to like, get out of bed in the morning because he needed a walk. You know, he became like, you know, like, of course, you know, Dennis is like, you know, above and beyond everything. Dennis, if you're listening, sorry, I'm not, didn't mean to make you sound like Ringo is more important than you. But somehow like caring for Ringo, taking care of him as if he was my baby, it gave me a purpose, right? So me as his mom. Um, and the fear I've had, like already with Ringo of something happening to him, uh, it's totally abnormal, like very, very abnormal. Like I'm completely, I was always totally hysterical about him being on a leash, like hundred percent of the time. I was so scared of him running away. I was kind of treating him like, you know, like he was really dumb, which he's not like he's a smart dog. Like if he would be in the street for whatever reason, there's a car, like he would know not to step in front of the car. He's not an idiot, but I would, you know. And Dennis loves to just let Ringo run and like have the spurt of release of energy because he's, he's an Italian greyhound. So, you know, he runs like a cheetah. It's an amazing thing to see. He's so fast. And Dennis loves to do that when we're alone or far away on the North Shore or somewhere where we're completely closed off from everybody else or in a dog park or whatever. And I would just have like my heart in the back of my throat freaking out if he would let Ringo off at least for like a second because I had this thought that he might just like bolt like he might just take off and leave me or get run over by a car or disappear and not come back and I don't know and it was actually a source of a lot of discussion and fights between me and Dennis because Dennis just thought like you know I have so much tension around how we take care of Ringo because I'm so scared something's gonna happen to him and never let anybody else watch him ever 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 like always with me always by my side you know I was kind of like put my claws into him like that was that was it and there was this big fear there really of, of him dying, like of something happening to him. And then I had the baby and everybody told me, Oh my God, it's going to be so different with this baby. And I said, well, I already have a baby. His name is Ringo. (laughs) I can't, I literally could not imagine loving another being more than I love Ringo. Like loving Ringo for me is just like the epitome of love. Like I, I just couldn't understand loving another being more than I love this baby, like my baby Ringo. And then I even had a friend who was like, oh, my God, you're going to want to like get rid of Ringo when you have a baby. And I just, oh, my God, I still think that's the most insane thing I've ever heard. But a lot of people told me like, oh, you're going to have a different relationship after this because your baby just takes, you know, front and center. Your baby becomes all of your attention goes it's really hard to focus on anything else even like your partner your soulmate your husband there is those few first few months where automatically they kind of slide into number two spot because you're so absorbed with nursing feeding and keeping this tiny little human being alive and then ideally you know you come back to that place where of course like your husband and wife and soulmates and you know you should have your husband at the top and maybe number two like that's something that I've totally totally learned or or maybe like we're in this triangle and it rolls around so we all take turns so we're very equal there at the top but the first thing that happened when I had the baby the first moment I saw Ringo after I birthed the baby and you know this was a 24-hour birth 42-week pregnancy like I was very okay I'm saying it like I was more pregnant than other women who were pregnant like clearly that's not the case but there was something about the end of that pregnancy that was just oh my god and then I had the baby. My whole life turned upside down. I'm looking at this tiny being and it didn't hadn't even hit me really yet like, oh, I'm a mom. You know, I just had this newborn baby a couple hours old. And then Ringo walks into the room and I swear to God, okay, I kid you not, he looked like a wolf. Like an actual like like a wolf. Like he looked so dog-like. He looked so dog-like it was like his face was, was a wolf. Like, like, I don't know, I can't explain it any other way. Like he had these huge fangs and huge teeth and like his hair was just standing up from his back. Like he just, he was an animal. All of a sudden he became an animal and I was just, you know, my jaw dropped and I turned to Dennis. I was like, Dennis, Ringo is a dog. (laughs) And he looked at me like I was insane, you know, like delirious from birth and whatnot. He was like, uh, yes, yes, honey. Yes, yes. Ringo is a dog. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, no. Like Ringo is a dog. Like he's not a baby. (laughs) And he couldn't quite understand what I was saying. But for all the years that I've had Ringo, I haven't seen him as a dog. I've seen him as a baby. And then I had an actual human baby and I realized, oh my God, Ringo is a dog. Right, such an insane, insane realization to have. But yeah, that's what happened. And what everybody said, I don't quite agree. Like my love for Ringo is no way less. Like I love Ringo exactly the same as I loved him before. It's just the love that I feel for Leah Luna. It's like it's in another part of my body. Like it's just it's another type of love. Like it's I don't know. I, I I don't know how to compare the two. It's like apples and oranges. But I don't think it's like you have this um finite Is that a word? Um, like a limited, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Like you have a limited amount of love that you can give. And if you love someone and then you start loving someone else, like you have to love them less. Like I don't, that's not how love works. Like we have infinite amounts of love that we hold in our hearts that we can pour onto other people and, and animals and the earth. And yeah, I just, it's just a different type of love. But something that did change immediately was that this overwhelming fear i had of something happening to ringo moved over and landed in the baby instead so you know dennis would start walking kind of ringo off a leash from time to time or let him out in the garden or you know someone else would come watch him and i just that panicky feeling that i had when ringo was off leash or outside or whatever it's not there anymore because all of the panic that i felt all the fear of losing him um was transferred into the baby and became this absolutely paralyzing fear of losing the baby so in a way I feel I don't know I felt relief like oh my god I can love Ringo the same but I don't have to freak out that he's gonna die like why would I think that Ringo's gonna die like Ringo's a you know he's safe he's fine he's here um, but now I have this, yeah, this this totally paralyzing fear of something happening to my baby. Instead, and yes, I've talked about it a lot, but I'm beginning to realize that the level of panic that I feel, the level of, I guess, the level of fear, in the in a way that it actually inhibits me in my day to day life. I it's not normal. I'm I'm coming to terms with with this now. Like it's not it's not normal. I think yes, it's normal for every mother to be super fearful that something's going to happen to their baby and. You know, like I like I I agree with that term, like having your heart live outside your body. But for me, and I don't know if it is because I've had a lot of loss, probably it's because I've had a lot of loss. um, It it consumes me like it actually consumes me. Um, I often choose to not leave the house because I'm worried about the baby. Um, I always (laughs) choose to not have a babysitter because I'm worried about leaving the baby with anybody else. Um, I, I turn Dennis down for date night all the time. I choose to not go to yoga in the evening. Like I actually set my life up in a way, not just because I want to, you know, be with the baby and be at home, but also in the night when she's sleeping, where we could be to go, go to dinner, get a babysitter. Like I am just so scared something's going to happen to her. So I actually kind of plan my life around me being present, even though it's not really helping that I'm hovering over her, trying to make sure she's breathing all the time. And, Every time I put her down for a nap and then I check the monitor and she's sleeping, I have that thought in the back of my mind like, oh, I wonder if this is the time that she's not going to wake up. And I'm starting to realize like this is is not normal. Like what I have, I think, is a very extreme form of this of this fear. And maybe there's other women that feel the same or or dads and and, and everyone, Um, people that have had loss and are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But yeah, this is, it's definitely something that I I can't imagine living with this pain and living living with this fear. Um, So for instance, you know, whenever I articulate this fear, and right now, right now I'm cool. (laughs) I'm cool talking about this right now. Like I am okay talking about this right now because I spent a big chunk of today crying. (laughs) So I've had a, I've had a big emotional release and I feel better. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. There's nothing quite like curling up in your own bed after a long day of juggling family life and business goals. Make that experience even more rewarding with the coziest bedding imaginable. Bedding from Parachute. Parachute has brought comfort to my life in more ways than one. New moms know that sleep often evades us. But with Parachute, the quality of my sleep is maximized, even if the quantity of sleep is not. The softest sheets and pillows help me instantly fall into a deeper and carefree slumber. And I sleep even better knowing I've made a conscious choice. Workers at Parachute are paid a fair wage and returns are donated to Habitat for Humanity. Mornings with my family are made especially cuddly with Parachute too. The sheets are perfect for playing peekaboo in with my baby girl while is Cuddles with Ringo. And when I wake up rested, it shows up in all aspects of my life. I feel better, I get more work done, and my yoga practice is more centered. We spend a third of our lives in bed, so make sure you're spending it right. Visit ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga Girl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's very comfortable bedding and bath linens. They offer a 60-night trial, so if you don't love it, just send it right back. That's ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga Girl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's amazingly comfortable bedding and linens. ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga Girl. Are you ready for spring? I sure am. Over here in Sweden, I make it my business to get outside and get some sunlight on my skin each and every day. But in the winter, that can be really hard, and your body will feel the effect of that. Did you know that 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Luckily, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms you get nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and the best part you can trust what you are putting in your body because ritual has the usp verified mark that means that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label and only one percent of supplement brands are able to get this mark so it's a big deal Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I have taken Ritual for years because of reasons like this. I love knowing that the ingredients in my vitamins are actually doing their job. Otherwise, what's the point? No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get twenty-five percent off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start ritual or add essential for women eighteen plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. And and like on, on cue, Ringo is not trying to burrow himself. <laughs> deeper under this pile of, of, of laundry oh my god yeah there he is hi buddy um so for instance when i share this with anyone like today i had this astrology reading with deborah and we we're talking about just kind of i don't know what i think is important things like we're talking about career stuff and work stuff and relationship stuff and me and dennis and i don't know just going through some some yeah big picture important things And then I get this feeling in the back of my throat every time she mentions the baby for any reason. And she's talking about beautiful things, how, you know, the relationship that I have with her, it's really what's meant to shape me for the rest of my life. Like she's here to teach me unconditional love. Like she's here to teach me to slow down and be soft and be feminine and be, you know, really, really present and really still. And every time she mentions her, I feel the back of my throat, like kind of tightening up, you know, when you have to kind of really intensely cry but you want to swallow it because i i want i don't love crying in front of people and you know being vulnerable is a really hard thing for me i have to work at that really hard every day especially face to face with someone um and then all of a sudden she's like are you okay like is there something here and i'm like you know and i just mentioned the words because uh, we're talking about motherhood and i said well like the hardest part about motherhood for me is this overwhelming you know fear that that's something and I couldn't even finish my sentence I couldn't even finish the sentence and say that something's going to happen to her and I just start bawling like I just can't not cry and I can actually in the moment sense I mean I can feel it right now I can sense it's like a rock at the pit of my soul like it's it's like this ginormous dark cloud and it hangs over everything I do absolutely everything So it's not this little light fear of like, you know, saying bye to her because I'm going to work and, you know, hoping she's safe. Like it's, it's, it's heavy as fuck and it's, it's messing with my whole life. And then every, everything I do, everywhere I go, whatever I'm talking about, like it's there, you know, and it's morbid and it's messed up. (laughs) And, um, it's something that I really decided to work on and kind of move a little bit deeper into, so once I accepted the fact that, okay, maybe this is not normal. Maybe it's not just every mom feels like this. Like I I think this is something that's anchored a little bit deeper into my own history, my own story, my own past, right? So for the rest of the reading today, I really got to go into parts of my past and stories from my past when I've experienced really overwhelming loss, right? And, and how somehow um, in my life, overwhelming love and attachment is immediately connected to loss and death. So whenever I have something that's just so precious and and so, you know, cherished, uh, it automatically comes attached with this knowing that I'm not going to get to keep it. So it's not that I'm fearful for, you know, what if one day something would happen to Leia Luna? It's like there's a part of my being that's just convinced that she's going to die. And those are two really Different things like being convinced that one day your baby's gonna die, like that shit's fucked up, and it's not real, right? It's not real, and yeah, okay, I'm crying now if you can not tell. But today, what something that debra said, she's like, well, this is, this is so messed up. Specifically for the very, you know, first reason that one, you know, I see in your chart here that you know you have this amazing bond and you're meant to live this whole lifetime together because she's your teacher for the rest of your life. And number two, she's completely safe, like completely safe and nourished and held. And like, you know, you have built this beautiful family and you're in this space. where you are taking amazing care of her. She's so safe. There's no reason to walk around with this rock, you know, weighing you down, waiting for the other shoe to drop because maybe all the shoes dropped already, you know? And when I think about that, like I had to really, and it's interesting that for me, death right now is a really... It's really present. My thoughts on death, thoughts about death, worries about death, um, in this moment of my life. That's just so full of life. It's so full of life. I've never, I've never felt more alive in my whole life. I've never felt more joyful. I've never, I've never felt more like I'm in the right place than I have since I became a mom. And it's not just being a mom to her, but in my relationship with Dennis, and and work wise, and you know, making a difference in the world wise. Like I feel in so many ways. I'm so anchored in so much life and so much purpose and then there's this overwhelming kind of dark cloud of death that's chasing me and I realized today that it's not real and that's a relief I mean it's not real like the fear is real but it's not, this is not something that's playing out in my life right now at all. Like I have no reason in this moment in time, if I can be super present with where I am, everything is okay. Like I'm completely cared for. I'm completely held. My baby's safe. My husband's safe. I'm safe. We're all safe. All is well. Like I can repeat that mantra again and again, all is well, all is well, all is well. So this fear that I have, you know, it's from something that's surfacing from my past and this idea that I have that's stuck in the core of my being um, about this is how life plays out or this is how life has to be. Someone in the end, if you have overwhelming happiness, someone in the end has to die. (laughs) And that's a really, really horrible, horrible way to live your life. So what I've talked about today a lot, um, and I guess also why this is a theme right now is that I'm writing a book okay, I'm going to laugh now because this is, I'm laughing now because this is really silly. I'm writing a book about death <laughs> and haven't quite connected the dots as to why am I, you know, spending so much time thinking about death. Why is death resurfacing again and again in the back of my mind and playing out in my relationships? Yeah, probably because I'm also playing an active part in making these things surface. But, um, yeah, I'm writing a book and, uh, yeah, I I wrote I have a book already out um since a couple of years. It's called Yoga Girl. And it was a really easy book for me to write, even though I wrote it during one of the most challenging years of my entire life. So I wrote that book, yeah, end of twenty thirteen, um, and first half of twenty fourteen. So when my best friend died, um, when I went through a lot of loss in my life. Um, but I wasn't ready to process any of that yet. So I just stuck with the script and I wrote what I intended to write from before. So Yoga Girl is, um, it's just little stories from my past and my life and epiphanies and realizations I've had about life paired with um, really good yoga sequencing and good recipes. And just, it's a really inspirational, colorful, happy, poppy kind of book. And it was, it was really actually pretty easy to write. Um, And now I'm writing number two, which has been a long time coming, um, book number two, And this is not at all what the last one was. It's not going to be this super, you know, poppy, colorful, easy to to put together book. But uh, it's a book about loss. It's a book about resilience. It's a book about overcoming. It's a book about death. And I'm writing about this exact year. So uh, when my best friend passed away, uh, if you're new to following my journey or if you're new to this community and 2014... (sighs) Oh, fuck, this is as hard to say every time. Every time I say it, it's like it's like I'm talking about someone else's life or like I'm describing a movie or something that didn't happen to me. But um, I was flying to Bonaire from Aruba um, together with Dennis and Ringo and uh, just walking from the check-in counter, I had a stabbing, like overwhelming stabbing pain in my stomach and I collapsed to the floor and paramedics came and they couldn't find anything wrong with me and we had to fly to Bonaire for this retreat so we carried on and I, I was vomiting and you know I was in so much pain that they said to carry me through the airport and when we finally got there I mean it, it was like nine hours of, of excruciating pain way worse than giving birth by the way <laughs> literally oh my god so much worse than, than giving birth uh, and then, when we got to the hospital, uh finally, the pain went away, and in the same time that this happened, my best friend had been at the hospital as well, but in another country, and she um she crashed her car into a truck um on the other side of the freeway. No one really knows how yeah how exactly it it happened, but yeah, the same time that I spent with this excruciating pain, you know, trying to survive like she was trying to 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 live. So we had surgery in the same part of the body and yeah, the moment my pain went away was the moment that she died. <sighs> and that's real. <laughs> like that's, it's insane. But yeah, that's real and that's that's what happened. And then, yeah, she was supposed to be my bridesmaid at our wedding. We had our wedding just three months after and of course, yeah, we it was a really, really hard time because it was also paired with so much love and so much joy and, and friendship and family um but it was also the hardest time of of our entire lives i mean of Dennis's too so and then right after that a month after our wedding my grandmother passed away and then 3 weeks after that sergeant pepper died our our dog died and then 4 months after that my mom tried to commit suicide for the third time <laughs> like this is kind of kind of like I'm making this up except I'm sad to say I'm not Um, and I can talk about it now like I definitely can I've gone through a lot of healing and a lot of work to get to a place where I can just articulate that these things happened to me or that these are things that just came my way Um, and I've had this book about this story you know about about this journey because it led me all the way until now like it's not over you know it's it's something that's um, I feel like a chapter definitely closed when Lea Luna was born like that's I look at that as two two faces of my life sort of then and now. Um and I've been writing this book, but I've been writing it in my mind um since it happened and it's not until this year I mean okay end of last year that I was actually able to put this stuff down on paper. You know, what actually happened, how it happened and tell the story and 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 share that pain. Uh, and it's been so fucking hard, you guys. It's been so hard. Um, writing actually is easy once I'm sitting down and I'm I'm writing, but every time I open my computer and I know I'm going to sit down to write, it's like I have this massive wound like right at the center of my heart and over the wound, you know, I've like sewn it shut and it's, it has a big scab over it and then like band-aids and lots of bandages. And every time I open the computer to write, it's like I have to rip all that shit open again, you know, and it's, it's a really hard process to go through it so it's a really hard thing to do but then I write and every time I write I cry and I write and I cry and I write and I cry and then all of a sudden you know like Dennis calls and you know let, let, let's go do something or, or you know the baby's awake or I have a meeting or you know like life happens and I just like close the computer and I carry on with my day and for, for to be able to do that I have to piece everything back together again you know I can't walk with this open wound in my heart open and still function to do everything I have to do throughout the day and I'm starting to figure out that this, I think, is the process of of healing, like really, like healing trauma, healing deep emotional pain. Because when it happens in the moment, we have to shut down, like we have to close off. Sometimes there's no other way to survive what's coming. We have to, we have to close down. We, there's just no other way. It's too much to process. The body helps us, you know. We just, we just shut off for a while, and then we can choose to stay disconnected and to stay shut down and to stay you know, to not feel forever, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, I'm going to say like, it's, it's easier to go through life and not feel, at least we, we trick ourselves into believing that in the beginning, I think it is um, because just the idea of going back into that pain, like it's too much to bear. So we, we live our lives and we continue, but then there's that gaping kind of big wound that we've, you know, we put bandages on it but it's not it's not healed and it's there so for the rest of our lives for as long as we live anytime anything rubs against that wound we're going to be triggered and we're going to have a really fucking hard time whatever it is if it's fear of loss fear of death if it's relationship stuff you know if you've been hurt in a relationship in the past and you didn't heal it um, whenever you have a new relationship and it might be beautiful but it might just touch upon something that happened that triggered that triggers that wound from before Um, and you might want to just run the other direction and just kind of end that relationship immediately and and start over somewhere else you know there's millions of ways that this manifests for us Um, but i find that the process of healing has to require going back to the place to the to the place of entry right it has to has to be returning to the actual wound which means picking at those scabs and tearing off the bandages, and, and looking inside, and it hurts, it fucking hurts, it hurts like hell, but that's the process, and maybe we can only do a little bit at a time. I I don't think it's, I mean, maybe for some people, you know, we can have like an overwhelming, huge epiphany, or a healing moment, or a healing experience, definitely, but I think for most of us, especially since, you know, shit's gonna happen and come our way, and then we think we're done with it, and then just life keeps throwing new things at you, <laughs> all the time it's also just called life but um yeah healing it at least i mean for me where i'm now it, it means going back to the wound and just scratching at it a little bit like peeking inside getting something down on paper like breathing into something remembering something feeling something just sitting with the pain of that moment with that remembrance and then i walk away and then i'm like okay you know that that was it that was what i could handle today and i don't think i could have gone through this process then like at the time you know it was too much too overwhelming too much too quick too big you know she was my my best friend like her and and olivia like they they were it so you know to have and you know i had four girls um to stand by my side you know when i when i when we got married four girls and a guy and then those four were just down to three you know and that's that's what i had so it was just it's it's still too big to to absorb that that's real like that she actually died and I can't like sometimes I think about that now I mean like, okay I think I think about death a lot but like yeah if something similar would happen to a any of my you know best friends now it's just absolutely unimaginable like I cannot even put that thought in my brain at all like I just can't I'm like that's that's ridiculous like that could never happen but I also know that yeah that stuff happens it happened to me It happened to Andrea, like she died, and and it can happen to anyone at any time. You are listening to From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Did you know that the average family visits five totally different websites before booking their vacation rental? But travel planning should not be another tedious and time-consuming chore on your to-do list. Don't waste time planning your next trip when you can just use Tripping.com, the world's number one site for vacation rentals. Whether you're looking for a cabin or a beachfront home to get away this winter, or already looking ahead to vacations this springtime like me, Tripping.com can help you find the perfect place to stay. Vacation rentals offer flexibility, perks, and amenities that hotels don't, like multiple bedrooms, backyards, hot tubs, free Wi-Fi, and even fully stocked kitchens so you can plan and cook your own meals, something that's so important to me when booking my home away from home. My little family is always on the move and I can trust that Tripping.com will find us cozy places to stay quick and easy. Spend less time planning and more time relaxing in the present moment with Tripping.com, trusted by millions of travelers and featured by New York Times, Travel and Leisure, Forbes and many more. With Tripping.com, one search lets you filter, compare and sort over 10 million available properties on trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com and more. And you can stop wondering if you're getting the best deal. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. So don't forget, if you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip, head to Tripping.com slash Yoga Girl today. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash Yoga Girl. Tripping.com slash Yoga Girl. Have you guys, have you watched um, The Good Place? (laughs) That's why I say what the fork? If you haven't watched the Good Place on Netflix with Kristen Bell, it's the best show ever. I love it so much. But they can't curse in the show. Um, so they say fork instead of fuck. Um, yes, it's the best show ever. And in that show, uh, there's a moment when one of the angels slash demons in the show, he gets to experience a little bit of what it's like to be human in that knowing that one day we're all going to die. Just existentially knowing that this all ends. And he's just consumed with this overwhelming like all consuming panic and despair and he turns to the humans and he's like how do you live and she answers she's like well this is what it's like to be human we're just a little bit sad all the time because we know one day we're all going to die but we live with it you know and i <laughs> i actually genuinely believe like yeah that's that's absolutely true and once you've had loss um that fear or that knowing it becomes at the front of your mind versus if you haven't been through a lot of loss it's in the way back of your head like the idea of death is just this abstract concept like you know one day we're all gonna die but what does that really mean doesn't really mean anything you know you're not thinking about death every day or every moment of the day but once you've had loss that thought is right there in front all the time because you know hey like this happens like someone I love died unexpectedly maybe or maybe expectedly or whatever like all all loss is, is awful and really hard to come to terms with as well so we start waiting for the other shoe to drop we start looking around and wondering when is this going to happen again and yeah for some of us it happens again like I had Andrea die my grandmother died Pepper died and then my mom wanted to die you know it was just I think a little a lot a little too much too much to take in just that short amount of time so I think now I've taken all of my fear of death, all of this loss, all of my loved ones that have died, have passed away. And the fear, of course, that I've lived with my entire life of my mom dying. Like that's a, yeah, that's another, that's another podcast. But I've taken all of that pain, all of that fear, and I've put it into this tiny little human being. <laughs> like I put it into this tiny little human being. And it's, I mean, she's 11 months old. She's like a little suicidal, like insane person, too. Like, she puts everything in her mouth, everything. <laughs> everything, like the craziest stuff, everything goes in her mouth, she throws herself off the bed, if she could, like down the stairs, into the pool, like she would jump out of the car, moving car, like she has no grasp (laughs) of danger or pain or fear, obstacles or anything at all, you know, she puts her hands everywhere, puts everything in her mouth and just there's one million times of the day when I'm just like, I feel like I'm saving her life (laughs) in some shape or form. So living with a paralyzing fear of death, it doesn't really fit with having an 11-month-old. You know, it doesn't really work. I just think of all the energy that's spent from my end every day worrying about this stuff and imagining these morbid things in my mind. Like, what if, what if I could just have a normal sense, of, normal sense of fear, like a sensible sense, meaning, yeah, okay, she goes in place with a friend or she, you know, is going to ride a bike for the first time or she's, I go to work and I'm not with her, whatever, like normal basic things, right? You know, just like worried like a normal parent, but where it doesn't actually ruin my life. <laughs> like, I, I kind of think that that would be nice. And also I kind of think that I would be a way cooler mom. Like, how cool would I be? Come on. I mean, okay, Dennis, are you listening? How cool would I be if I was like the awesome mom that I am, but if I was also chill, <laughs> like being a chill mom, that's the dream. Part of this was uh, I was sitting with a friend the other day and she's older than me. She has grown kids. uh, And I was just casually mentioning because I was, you know, trying to carry on a conversation, but the baby was walking around. So actually I'm not listening to anything she says because my eyes are just laser focused on what the baby's doing and whatever way she's going to try to injure herself today. And I said, you know, and she says, so how is motherhood? Is everything going well? And I said, yes. That's kind of my answer all the time. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. But how long does this fear last? And when I asked her, she said, what do you mean? What fear? I said, well, like the, this very paralyzing fear that, that she's going to die. And she looked at me like I was a little weird. She was like, I, I never felt that way. And I was like, what? Like, Oh my god what a relief like a mom that says that she doesn't feel that way what do you mean she says well i mean of course like i i worry about my kids all the time but i never had this like i never felt like it was impeding my life in some way you know i always felt a lot of trust like of course these babies were brought my way for me to to keep them you know we're a family like i'm gonna grow old with them and that thought just the knowing of like she just knows she's gonna grow old with her kids I never felt that. You know, I never felt that. I never had that trust. So part of, big part of this also is if you trust in life and if you fully trust and you have faith in the universe and or God or spirit or, or infinite love or, you know, like Jesus or Buddha or Allah or whoever you pray to, you know, if you really have that trust and that faith, of course, you're going to be more settled and more calm. You're not going to, you're going to wait for your child to die if you at the same time fully trust that the universe has your back so a big part of this for me I guess is that I I don't actually have that trust I guess I and I, I always think that I do but I'm realizing now I don't if I did then I would trust that the universe takes me beautiful places and of course universe would not take my child away like you know there's no these two things just don't go together but that's the thought that I'm living with every day. So there is this lack of trust that I, that I, that I need to deal with. And another thing the astrologer asked me today, she was like, well, what about faith? Like, how do you pray? And my thing with prayer is I pray when shit hits the fan. <laughs> I pray in moments of doubt, in moments of crises, in moments of pain, of loss, of death. Like when I'm thrown to my knees by fucking pain and despair. Yeah, then I pray. I don't have... A normal relationship to God, to Spirit, um, that's just that just exists in my day to day life. Like when I'm happy, when things are good, um, you know, I, I'm not there. Like I practice yoga every day. I connect with my body. I take deep breaths. I have a mindfulness practice, you know. But that's a very different thing. Like I, I don't talk to God unless, unless I need Him to save me. <laughs> and and I mean, oh fuck, man, this day has been really filled with filled with pain and realization and epiphany and i i have i have two things i have to do like now and i can i kind of like being able to put things on an agenda even abstract things like healing um but yeah i i there's definitely things i need to come to terms with um in terms of this loss like with my mom um and and you know her depression and her her suicide attempts it's something that we don't talk about a lot like it's a very painful thing of course it's always there you know it was recent that this happened it was it was two three years ago um it's three years ago already damn yeah two three years ago so it's always there I'm always worried about her all the time you know like I I never really know and she's so happy now and she's had the past two years like really solid and really strong foundation I feel like she has her feet on the ground um she's an AA which has changed her tremendously like Also, with the birth of the baby, I think grandmotherhood really shifted something for her. So, you know, but I'm never going to trust her to be there. Never. (laughs) And that's also not a, you know, super fun way to live either. But no, you know, when someone asks me, like someone from the outside who knows our history, and they're like, so how is your mom? And my answer is always like, well, like right now she's really good. Like I I actually think right now she's really good. But there's always that right now because I don't know what's going to happen next week I don't know if she has another trauma or loss or something hard come her way like there's no one who will ever know how she'll react to that so I have to kind of live with that uncertainty probably for the rest of my life that I don't know if my mom's going to be here forever you know and not just by um, you know course of life or accidents or someone you know driving their car into a truck on the other side of the road but yeah maybe one day she won't want to live and that's a really different pain you know actually and it's a it's a difficult pain for me to um, I don't know. And I, and I've been through this a lot. Um, you know, t- talking to people that have been suicidal and depressed and, um, it can look really selfish from the outside, you know, like that was my, really my first reaction. Like if if you want to kill yourself, you want to leave all your loved ones, your family, your kids, you want to leave them behind. Like that's the most fucking selfish thing I've ever heard of. Like Jesus. But realizing now that someone who's severely depressed and doesn't want to live, like they actually most likely think that it's gonna be a relief for the people they leave behind. Like they're just a burden. You know, so um yeah, my 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 view on this has changed a lot, but it's still something that um that we don't talk about a lot. And I'm starting to be able to see how for me this fear, this not being able to settle in, okay, well, if love is here, it's here to stay. I kind of have it in the back of my, it's like in my backbone that no, if if it's really precious, if it's really special, like a mother-daughter relationship, it's not going to stay. And it's just not true. And that's something I think I'm going to have to bang myself over the head with. Like, it's just not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It was true at one point in my past, but right now, like look at the reality of my life right now. Like my reality is well, my mom's fine like my mom's happy my mom's thriving like she's over there in Stockholm like having tons of fun like we work together now every morning <laughs> I wake up with the baby and when I feed the baby oatmeal in the morning I could call my mom we have a great relationship like we talk every day she's she's fine she's good and the baby's safe super safe like are you kidding like super safe <laughs> she has a hyper sensitive paranoid mom that watches her every move <laughs> like Baby's safe. And also on a universal, from a universal standpoint, like we're all held and safe. Dennis is safe and I'm safe. And, you know, so these things, they're actually not playing out in present in my reality. It's not true. But there's this this part of of us that when something happens to us, especially in our childhood, like it becomes ingrained into how we look at life, you know, what we expect life to give us. Um, And it also shapes us in how we look at the world. And I've just been, I've just been shaped in kind of a fucked up way. <laughs> and I think this is, yeah, life is really wanting me to look at this and push me to heal these things. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl are you hiring? As a business owner, I speak from experience when I say that every business needs great people and a better way to find them. We need something better than posting a job online and just praying that the right person might see it. ZipRecruiter knows there is a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. Don't spend any more time sorting through emails of applicants that aren't the right fit. Business owners definitely do not have time for that. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Find applicants in any city or industry nationwide. The right candidate is out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com yoga. That's ZipRecruiter.com yoga. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. So part of me is wondering if by the time I finish writing this book, like where am I going to be? That's, that's also a really interesting thought because um, for every chapter that I write, like there's a, there's a little softening of that wound. You know, there's a little healing taking place. And I also think that healing is a lifelong process. Like if you've experienced major trauma, you're never going to be what you were before. No, that's just not what it is. But you get to live the rest of your life with your heart on your sleeve. You know, you get to live the rest of your life knowing that the rest of your life might not be infinite. You know, it might might not be forever. And through that knowing, hopefully, you know, you'll cherish the days that you have even more and you'll learn to love even harder and to really really love and cherish the people that you have in your life and spend every day with intention and purpose and uh, anchoring into that pain and then using that pain to do something right to change the world somehow and to not let that loss just grow into yeah grow into this big scab or this big weight that you carry for the rest of your life but yeah bringing that wound to surface so yeah, out of the two things I have to do, one is one is continue this process of healing and continue talking about writing about sharing um sharing these things and not let too much time pass in between each time because I think eventually if I go there enough, like it's actually going to settle. Like I really have that feeling too, which is pretty pretty remarkable. And then the second thing I okay, I have to do is I need to <laughs> I need to reevaluate my relationship with God. Like <laughs> and I know the word guard, God God guard (laughs) i have my guard up for god um the word god um doesn't sit well with everyone especially anyone you know any swedish people listening like i'm swedish sweden is the least religious world uh, country in the world the least religious country in the world which is pretty crazy um so so you know i'm not raised that way at all there's no relationship to to um to church or christianity or Or anything like that. You know, I wasn't raised um, believing in something greater than us at all. And actually what's what's brought me there again and again is this pain, is this loss. So I know I have this relationship with God, but if I'm only there when life kind of throws me down on the floor, uh, it means that I miss out on that day-to-day trust and joy of feeling connected. You know, if it requires something horrible to happen for me to feel truly connected to spirit you know, that, that's kind of, that's, that's no fun way to live. You know, I want to be able to feel that connection all the time, every day of my life. And yeah, and I see glimpses of it all the time with the baby. You know, her birth was a major thing. Her first weeks of life was just, whoa, you know, like God lives in her like 100% and I can feel her there. Like I can feel, feel it all in that moment. But then it's overclouded by that fear of death and by that pain. And then, you know, the doubt that I have and the fact that I don't trust. So, so I'm guessing that this is this is just a lifelong practice <sighs> I can't believe I spent a whole podcast talking about death <laughs> but you know if anybody listening out there if you're going through struggle and doesn't have to be actual death or loss although I know a lot of you listening are or have been through this and that's the thing about you know being human We can't avoid it at all. We really, we really just can't. And hopefully we won't have, you know, the shoe drop again and again and again. But I'm thinking for me that this story actually, you know, maybe begins with death and it ends with birth. That's how I'm feeling right now in this moment. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for for trusting in me, and listening to me, share my experience because um, it's not an easy thing. Definitely not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not an easy thing to to get into. And and something for me is is it's easy to write. Like I share this a lot. I, I you know you'll share you'll see posts from me on Instagram. And um, like I wrote a post today about this this fear of of, of losing Luna and what that does to me. And reading that like I'm crying like a baby like I'm just I can't stop crying and I'm reading my own words and it's making me cry and then I read the post again like an hour later and I cry again Um, so from afar you know but I'm still very distant with that like I'm not sitting with a with another person in front of me if I'm actually in that intimate moment it's really hard for me to be vulnerable so maybe the podcast is just one more step closer um, to touching that that genuine vulnerability to just really being able to sit with my pain and also also show it to the world you know because if we're all disconnected and we're all one walking this earth i mean your pain is my pain my pain is yours and i love you i'll see you next week (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Zupercruiter, Parachute, and Tripping.com. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.